You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a crossover on the Locked On Podcast Network. Kevin Allstriker here of Locked On Ravens. Here with me is Locked On Bears host, Lauren Cox. And Lauren, this week 11 matchup between Baltimore and Chicago might be a bit better of a game than some people might have thought before week 10 when Baltimore laid that stinker against Miami. Chicago obviously had their bye. So, Lauren, I think this could be a good one. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well, and I, you know, I've been burned enough by a four-game losing streak entering the bye for the Chicago Bears that I, as much as I see that Dolphins lost for the Ravens, and I, I do want to get with that, get into that with you a little bit later too. But I, I as much as that might encourage me, I'm I, four straight losses is is hard to swallow going into this matchup, and plus the Bears typically struggle mightily out of the bye week under the Matt Nagy era. So who knows? Maybe this is the time for trends to reverse and keep this one close. Yeah, it really could be. And the NFL this season is so unpredictable. I mean, just teams going in and, you know, four-win teams beating undefeated teams and two-win teams beating eight-win teams. Just so many upsets this season. And maybe we could see another one here in Week 11. But, Lauren, starting off here and asking you questions about the Chicago Bears, I don't think I could start anywhere else but with Justin Fields, the rookie quarterback who, you know, is currently going through his first NFL season and a player who I really liked coming out of Ohio State. I thought it was a great fit in Chicago. I I was happy that the Bears decided to move up and get him. I think it was the absolutely right decision from an organizational perspective. But how has he looked to you so far this season? And are you happy with the potential that he's showing? Yeah, Fields is interesting because when you look like if you just look at the box score, like you haven't watched a Bears game this season, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's... That's been that's a that's a rough you know touchdown to interception ratio and the yards haven't really been there and certainly he had struggled quite a bit his first start against the Browns got absolutely just decimated he sacked nine times and they had a one total passing yard as a result I guess statistically the offensive production has not been there and some of that has been Fields' fault but throughout the last you know six games or so that he started you've you've seen those flashes and those moments of just like that Ohio State brilliance of, of a beautiful downfield throw dropped right into the bread basket exactly where the receiver needs it to beat tight coverage on a difficult read for any quarterback to make and then it all sort of has built up into I guess the last game two weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers it really was like the first game where it felt like he put it fully all together for like a four quarter type experience and then late in that game the Bears were down with a few minutes left and he drove the team down for a go-ahead touchdown with just like two minutes left in the game their defense ended up blowing it and they ended up losing the game as a result but it was like difficult clutch drive clutch throws tight coverages you know rolling to his left throwing across his body I mean all the different like he's doing the hard things and making them look easy and so then it's just about okay some of the easier things that are still occasionally makes him look a little bit difficult just you know weird footwork in the pocket occasionally sometimes holding on to the ball too long but you want him to be a playmaker he's still ironing out all the sort of rookie mistakes that have in some part held this offense back here and there but he's definitely become at this point a net positive for this team and Bears fans are excited about where he's going to go from here. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him grow in Chicago. I think it's a good situation for him. I think they can build the pieces around him, you know, over the course of the next couple of seasons. And this is a learning experience for Justin Fields. Still such a young quarterback, not a ton of experience under his belt. So I think he's going to have a very long and successful NFL career. 
But Lauren, looking at the Chicago run game, you have a couple of talented running backs over there in Chicago. David Montgomery averaging 4.5 yards per carry. Khalil Herbert, who stepped in for Montgomery, averaged 4.3, and I mean, is still averaging that. How has the run game looked to you this year, and is it a strength of the Chicago team? It is what they want their offensive identity to be, and generally speaking, it is what their offensive identity has been as of late. And obviously, it hasn't resulted in wins in any of the last four games, but quality of opponents certainly plays a factor in there. But they are really the the lifeblood of this offense. They are what's so consistent, what they've been able to rely on and try and make things easier on Justin Fields. I mean, Montgomery and Herbert have both been really difficult to tackle this season. You know, sort of separately, they haven't played a lot together at this stage. Pittsburgh game was the first game where they were both really like active and healthy in in the roles that we might see moving forward. And it was almost no Khalil Herbert. It was back to Montgomery as sort of the full workhorse. So we're kind of looking around to see what that balance might look like or if it's just going to continue to kind of keep Herbert on the bench. But he was running so well. I mean, took it. he played like, what, four games, I think, and was already one of the rookie leaders in rushing yards after having not played in the first few weeks of the season. So like he, they have a lot of talent there. The offensive line has been up and down to some regard in that part. And, of course, like in the modern NFL, you have to be able to pass consistently and effectively for four quarters to really win games. The running, the running game can get you going and can help close out some games, but at the end of the day, you do need to pass better, and that's what's been holding the Bears' offense, much, offense back much more than the running game, which has largely done its job above and beyond. Yeah, it absolutely is about balance, and the Ravens do know that with their successful rushing offenses over the years, but you know the passing offense not quite up to snuff. Now we're seeing kind of the opposite, where the passing game is doing really well, but the rush game not so much without guys like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. But we're moving on to the Chicago pass game. Obviously, Allen Robinson is a very big name, and one here in Baltimore that has been linked to the team for a very long time. Obviously, his production is not been ideal this season for him. But outside of Robinson, who were a couple other Chicago pass catchers that could make an impact in this game? That's part of the problem in Chicago. Is it's, been, it's really been just the Darnell Mooney passing offense for a lot of the season. He was their fifth-round pick two years ago. Had a pretty strong rookie season and is on pace to, to eclipse that again this season. He's really been the, the best connection for Justin Fields across the, the receiving core. And the problem is that he hasn't really had a super strong connection with anybody else. A lot of that blame has gone on Matt Nagy because he never had Justin Fields take first-team reps in training camp, preseason practices. So he wasn't throwing down Robinson and wasn't really throwing that much to Darnell Mooney and the top tight ends and running backs. So, like, that's one of the things Robinson has said about why his production is down. He's like, well, you know, I'm still getting used to Justin Fields because we haven't practiced that much together. And so it's been a lot of a lot of Mooney. Robinson's been trying to get there. And this last game against the Steelers was the first game where the tight ends finally were were a, an active part of this passing game. The Cole Komet had a career-high performance in terms of catches and receiving yards, and wondering if maybe he's taking a, a step forward in his second season as well. They were really trying to force the ball to Jimmy Graham in the red zone and didn't quite connect on a touchdown there, but that's where it felt like the offense was opening up a little bit more, but it's still largely Darnell Mooney-focused, and then bits and pieces here and there of, of Robinson tight ends. They've got uh, Marquise Goodwin, formerly the 49ers, has been kind of their number three wide receiver. And then the running backs in the backfield are all pretty capable pass catchers. Yeah, the Bears do have a couple of weapons who could do some damage against this Baltimore secondary, which has not been a strength of their team this season. But, Lauren, moving on to the Bears' offensive line. For me, I think for an offense, everything starts up front with an offensive line, regardless of how good your quarterback is, your running back is. If there's a defender in that backfield after a second – there's not a lot you can do with it. So how has that Bears offensive line been this season? It started out as the real number one issue, right? the thing that was holding them back more than anything else. And there was some debate as to how much coaching was influencing that in terms of you know the scheme not 
helping the offensive line and certainly not helping the rookie quarterback early on. Bears made an uh, offensive, I guess a play-calling change to the offensive coordinator after Justin Fields' I think his first or second start is when they made that change to former Bengals offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, who's now calling the plays in Chicago. And that's that's helped a lot. And I think also just it being a new offensive line combination with Jason Peters, the veteran former Eagles offensive lineman, coming in pretty late into the mix, like right before week one. It took some time for this starting lineup to kind of mesh and gel a little bit. And they've had some COVID and injuries at right tackle. So now they've got the rookie fifth-round pick Larry Borm over there. He's still kind of getting into it. So they've been growing together. And the last few weeks it feels like they've been slowly getting better and better to the point where they're not a great offensive line but it feels like they at least can do enough to get the job done maybe they're not good enough to take on the top pass rushers that you know of the NFL but if if they can kind of hold their own with a little help from the tight ends some moving pockets some play action some different things to help not only help the quarterback's job be easier but then help the offensive line easier as well And, and I think they're a little bit better of a run blocking group than a pass blocking group and so when the Bears can and do stick to that running game it helps them kind of build some of that confidence and and keep the defense from being too uh too clear on on what their intentions are going to be yeah, and I'm interested to see how they hold up against the Baltimore front seven on Sunday for sure. But moving on to the, the Bears defense, how does that unit look for them this season? Because I know that with the Bears, it can be kind of hit or miss there. There's some talent for sure, but how's it been this season? Yeah, the, it's been the big surprise as to how poorly they've played the last handful of games. That's that's really what I point to for this losing streak. I mean, this I mean the offensive issues have been there as well, but like the offense has slowly gotten better and the defense has slowly gotten worse and kind of at the wrong time. So we're like, the Steelers lost this last game was the first one where it felt like the offense truly did enough on its own to win the game and the defense truly failed them like some games both sides failed but this was the first time the offense kind of hit that threshold of like all right that was a good offensive performance but the defense was just not where it needs to be and some of that you can blame on injuries some of it has been a little bit COVID related but some of it has just been you know guys that you thought you could rely on not not being very consistent the big one being Eddie Jackson at safety I mean he's always had trouble with broken tackles or missing tackles, but this season he has zero interceptions and more importantly, zero pass breakups. That PD column, empty on the stat sheet. He's not gotten his hands on a football, has not broken up a pass, and he's one of the Bears' highest paid defensive players, right? So they're really lacking from some of those guys. Even Roquan Smith has had had some bright moments, but the last couple of weeks has kind of dropped off a little bit. He's missing a lot more tackles than usual and kind of out of place at times in run defense. So they have really relied on the pass rushers. Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, they're both playing at a very high level, but Mack now is injured and hasn't played the last couple of games. And so when you take pretty much your defensive MVP out of the mix, maybe we shouldn't be too surprised that they've played so poorly. And I think we're going to be keeping a close side of the practice reports this week to see if maybe Mac could come back although it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't practice at all and that doesn't really tell us either way whether he could play he definitely doesn't need to practice to play on Sunday yeah you know some of those veteran stars don't need to have a day of practice in order to make a huge impact you know it'd be better for Baltimore if he didn't but yeah it'll be interesting to see if he actually does for sure we'll head into our first break now when we get back we'll be diving into some Ravens questions as Lauren will put me in the hot seat so stay tuned for that Hey, Ravens and Bears fans, this is Kevin Ostriker with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about in Get Upside. You can just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents a gallon cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive water make you as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back is added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN 
to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code touchdown. All right, welcome back into this crossover Thursday. Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears alongside Kevin Ostreicher from Locked On Ravens. Getting ready for, I think, what will be a fun matchup. We don't see 6-3 and three versus 3-6 three and six as something that, on paper, everyone immediately jumps to as a, you know, a tight game between two evenly matched teams necessarily. But we think you talked about earlier, the Ravens coming off of a, a pretty rough loss to a, another now three-win team, the Miami Dolphins, earlier this, or I guess two weeks ago, or last week with the Bears on the bye week, them having the week off. But I, I want to touch on that game real briefly because I guess, first of all, for those that didn't watch it, the, the kind of the big thing was that the Dolphins seemed to bring a lot of pressure, a lot of blitzing, right, at Lamar Jackson. And it didn't seem like the Ravens had a lot of answers, but, like, they only sacked him four times. I mean, four is a lot, but it's not astronomical. Why was the blitz and the pass rush so difficult for Baltimore? Why weren't they able to sort of overcome that? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. Obviously, the execution just wasn't there for a lot of the night. Baltimore kind of squandered some opportunities to get off to a fast start. I think that gave Miami some confidence. And credit to what Miami did. I mean, I don't want to discredit their performance. They did a great job. But there were also just lack of adjustments, and the adjustments that they did make just did not work. Usually, when teams are sending pressure, you want to beat that with the short passing game with screens because you have all those guys at the line blitzing. You're going to have one-on-one matchups, and you can put blockers out in front for receivers but the screens were getting batted down at the line or there were poor throws, they were getting dropped. And, and it's just those types of things where when you give a, a team like Miami who hasn't played well this season and all of a sudden you show them that door, you leave the door open a little bit, they suddenly take that, they they burst it open. I think that's exactly what happened. The adjustments by Greg Roman weren't there. You know, Lamar Jackson was making checks at the line, but, you know, the blitz gave the Ravens a ton of issues and after the game you know the coaches and the players all they could talk about was cover zero cover zero cover zero that was the, one of the main things they identified as a huge reason why they lost that game and I think it's important too for Bears fans to realize that that game was six to three going in the fourth quarter it wasn't like the, the Dolphins you know blew them out and got into this huge early lead and then just held them down all game it was it was tight for a while there and the Dolphins pulled away at the end I imagine both defenses may be looking to blitz the other quarterback as a strategy they've seen work so far this season and when it comes to the the Ravens rushing game uh, statistically they're one of the top productive rushing offenses and I know a lot of that has just been Lamar Jackson far and away sort of their leading rusher they've had a lot of injuries at running back but with Lamar's rushing yards in particular how much of that is passing plays where he scrambles and takes off past the line of scrimmage and how much of that is built in design quarterback runs or option plays where it's a true running play and he just happens to be the ball carrier yeah, Lauren, I think it's interesting because what we've seen as Lamar Jackson has progressed in his career is he obviously he's a quarterback and we we know the stereotypes and this and the stereotypes and the all the narratives of oh he can't throw and he's a running back, but well, Lamar Jackson loves to throw the football. Now, when he sees yards out in front of him and there's nobody open, he takes that and he scrambles and he gets those yards. But as his career's gone on, he really is kind of shied away from it a tiny bit to the point where you know he'll look for the open receiver he wants to throw that football so I think more of it is a designed run where the Ravens will put him out and you know they'll do a read option or they'll do something with him and it's a designed play for Jackson but when Jackson's looking to throw the football you know during his rookie season his MVP year when he was still getting used to the NFL game it was more all right if nothing's open on my first, second, third readout, I'm going to tuck it and run, and that's the scramble. But now we're seeing him just passing the football a lot better. He's taking a huge leap. So the, the rushing offense has been mostly Jackson anyway, but I think it's been more of a balance between is it a pass play where he scrambles or is, is it a designed run where he's able to take the ball and run it with it? Some of those 
I don't know if stereotypes or perceptions about Lamar Jackson. You talked about, you know, him maybe being a, a run first quarterback. I'm I'm with you 100%. I mean, you watch Lamar, and he's he's a great pocket passer. That's not really the problem here. But it does sort of come with this perception of the team being, I guess, struggling a little bit to come from behind. That when, you know, when they can get a lead and, and you know, operate in that running game and, and do some misdirection with Lamar, that they're, they're much more comfortable in that role. And every team, of course, is, is better with the lead. That's why you win football games. But do you think... That you think that's a, a fair perception of them struggling more than other teams to come back from behind, or or is that unfair based on the Lamar Jackson things that we talk about, or is there, is there some truth to what we've seen from the Ravens this season and in recent years? Well, this season they've been phenomenal in comeback situations. You know, they do lose the game to the Raiders. That was a game they more blew a lead in terms of not coming back. But week two, they come back from a big deficit against Kansas City, a team they hadn't beaten in three years. And that was a great win for them. They made a couple of huge plays down the stretch. I think everybody looks to Indianapolis on that Monday night game where the Ravens came back, forced overtime. That was a huge win for them in a game that looked hopeless for three quarters. And they all of a sudden have that fourth quarter comeback. Minnesota, they're down. They don't have a ton of momentum. They're able to come back and win that game in overtime as well. The, the, the Miami game was really the first instance where they had they were in the game and they had a shot to come back. And the offense, they, they did not play well for the majority of this game. They didn't score a touchdown until about four minutes ago in the fourth quarter. But they score the touchdown and then the defense gives up a big play. That was the first instance where the comeback didn't really happen. And I think for any NFL team – You'd rather play with the lead. You mentioned that, and I think you're absolutely correct. But for the Ravens, they've shown that resiliency to come back this season. Before this year, there were a couple of questions. You know, how can you come back when you're running the football? You know, if you're running the football more than you're throwing it, are you really going to have the juice to come back in a game? The Ravens ran into that a couple of times, but I think it was overblown to a degree. And this season, with the Ravens not having J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards, we're now seeing what they can do with more of a – pass heavy attack, even though the rushing offense has been a big part of their offense. And I think we're seeing now that they absolutely can come from behind. You mentioned a couple of big plays down the stretch there against the Dolphins. And I know like the, the Bengals were able to get some pretty explosive passing. The The secondary for Baltimore, how how big of a concern is that? And I guess where specifically is the concern? Where, where have, Not even necessarily position-wise, but just in terms of defense. Is it, is it cornerbacks losing one-on-one? Is it you know coverage breakdowns with, with busted coverages? Why has this Ravens secondary struggled? Yeah, I think it's definitely more of the coverage breakdown, communication issue aspect of things. The Ravens at multiple positions on their roster have just had to substitute in multiple bodies seemingly every week because of injuries. The, this team does not have Marcus Peters. He was lost for the year with an ACL injury before the season started. Deshaun Elliott, their starting safety, was having a good year, was lost for the season with a torn pec and a torn bicep just a couple weeks ago. Oh. Tavon Young, a slot corner who's played really well, is dealing with a, a foot injury. It seems like he could be good to go for this game against Chicago, but we're not entirely sure yet. So what, what the Ravens are looking at is Brandon Stevens, who was a rookie. He comes out of SMU, started off at UCLA as a running back, and he converted to cornerback during his time at SMU. So he's still learning not only the NFL game, but his position in general. You have a couple other guys too. Marlon Humphrey still Marlon Humphrey. Anthony Averett's played very well this season. They have Chuck Clark, who's been a Swiss Army knife for them, really does a ton for their defense. But I think it's just the continuity that then you have new guys coming in every week or something of that nature. And then you have the big play bust, the communication breakdowns are really hurt when I think those are definitely contributing to the overall, you know, net yards per attempt given up. 
they're in there. And they're a reason why the Ravens are last in total yards allowed through the air this season so far. So they have talent in their secondary. They just really haven't been able to put together this year. It seems like the Ravens' pass rush is kind of like, it seems to me like sneaky good in a way that like, you know, they're not, they're not near the top of the league in sacks in any way, but it seems like they have like a, a, a group of guys that, all can get pressure on the quarterback. I'm thinking, you know, of course, some of the bigger names like Justin Houston and Clyde Campo, but I mean, Tyus Bowser's been solid, and I think the the rookie Owe has been has kind of quietly having a, a good season there too. Where, where's 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 your level of confidence in them, and what makes what has made them effective this season? Is it is it is it part of the is it because of the pressure scheme from from Wing Martindale? Yeah, I think when the Ravens do have success with their blitzes, it is definitely Martindale's doing. And obviously, the players go out there and execute. They're talented, but Martindale's defensive scheme is just so complex and really so exotic when it comes to those blitz schemes. And he, he'll send nine guys to the line one play. He'll blitz all of them. The next play, he'll drop all but three into coverage. You know, he really confuses quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage. Those young quarterbacks sometimes have to identify and they have trouble identifying who's coming, who's dropping. And we saw that, you know, a great example of this is in week six, the Ravens played the Chargers. And that was Justin Herbert's first time playing this Ravens defense. Now, Herbert coming into week six was lauded as this MVP candidate, you know, had a really good season up until that point. He struggled immensely that that Los Angeles team struggled. Then you go to the next week in week seven. That was Joe Burrow's second time playing this Baltimore defense. The first time he had a probably his worst game as a pro. So his second time, he lit them up, especially in the second half. So quarterbacks can't adjust to it. But for younger players, it can be a struggle to identify that. And yeah, Adafi Owe, you talked about, Lauren, he's having a, a good year this year. Had kind of disappeared over the last couple of weeks, but came back in a in a big way against Miami. Had a nice sack. Justin Houston's been great. He's been a great veteran mentor for guys like Owe in Bowser. Clay's Campbell's playing it at all pro level this year. He's playing really, really well with a high amount of snaps. So the Ravens have talent up front. Sometimes it's a bit inconsistent. Coming into week 10, they were only averaging about 1.9 sacks per game. They had four against Miami on Thursday night. So I'd like to see a bit more consistency, but when they're on, they're definitely on. So we should expect to see the Ravens blitz Justin Fields a lot. We might see the Bears blitz Lamar Jackson a lot after last week. We'll we'll get into a little bit how those strategies might work and, and what we expect for this matchup. Coming up next on this crossover Thursday, Locked on Bears, Locked on Ravens. Taking a look at the spread for this game at our friends from betonline.ag. It looks like the point spread has moved a little bit. We got the Bears plus four and a half now. Sort of odds makers shifting a little bit more in Chicago's favor. I'm not exactly sure why it's trended that way, given the Bears have been just coming off of their bye week. But the money line now has Bears plus 195, Ravens minus 225, and the over-under set at 45 points after Bears getting into more of a shootout their last game than they had for most of this season. If you like those odds, BetOnline is the top place we recommend for all of your sports betting needs. Not just pro football, but college football, plus basketball, soccer, hockey, tennis, boxing, you name it, they have it at BetOnline. Even online Vegas casino games as well, and I'm sure baseball futures now with with that season firmly into the offseason for them. There's always sports action ready for you at bet online sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code locked on and you're going to receive a free 50 percent welcome bonus on your next deposit that's giving you even more money to play with at betonline.ag where the game starts We return. It's our final segment of this crossover Thursday, both between Locked On Ravens and Locked On Bears. Kevin Ostreicher, host of Locked On Ravens, still here with Lauren Cox. 
of Locked On Bears. And Lauren, this game, I think, has a ton of key storylines, a ton of keys to the game where either team can come out on top if they can execute and hit on all of those keys. So I want to start off with the Bears. What are some things that Chicago can do, whether it's early in this game, as the game winds down, that can really help them go out with a victory in Week 11? Yeah, the formula for them has kind of been the same every week, and it's just a matter of, like, being able to do it. I mean, they they just want to run the ball, make things easier on Justin Fields, control the clock, take some pressure off of your defense, hold that time of possession quite a bit, and, you know, have these sort of long, sustained scoring drives. And they've been able to sustain some drives, but it's the scoring at the end that's been a little bit more challenging, whether they, you know, they hit penalties or they, they, you know, they, have, a, they have a first down run that doesn't go anywhere and then maybe a second down incompletion and they get behind the sticks a little bit. You know, they haven't been able to, like, consistently kind of churn things forward and make it easier. So, like, last week as the Steelers, it took kind of a, a miraculous comeback touchdown drive from Justin Fields to take that late lead to give them a chance to win. And so they, they'd like to try and stay out of that situation and be a little bit more consistent for four quarters. And for so much of that, it's just it's running the ball, it's play action and taking things easy on fields to then maybe get a lead on the Ravens, maybe make some things easier for your defense so that the Ravens can't run the ball as much as they might want to. Not that not that you're not worried about Justin Fields as a passer and a scrambler as well, but the Bears' run defense has started to fall off a little bit with Khalil Mack absent as well. And so not that their secondary is phenomenal either, but at least with a lead, the defense can kind of relax a little bit more, maybe play a little bit more aggressive and know that they have that lead behind them. So the Bears the Bears don't want to fall behind in, in a similar way that I don't think the Ravens want to fall behind. Weirdly enough, I think for both of these offenses, it's probably going to be a similar game plan. But what, what kind of keys are you looking for from Baltimore? Yeah, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth there. I mean, literally for this offense, fast starts have been an issue. They have not been able to get out to fast starts. That's why, you know, as we talked about earlier, this team has been playing from behind and they've been doing it well. But, you know, as we saw in week 10, you can only play with that fire for so much before it burns you. And in Miami, it definitely burned them. So I think heading into this game, just getting confidence early. You know, you mentioned a sitting back, playing with the lead, the Ravens, despite you know, the run game not really being what it was with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in there. They're not there this season for Baltimore. They still are a top five rushing offense, and they're doing it at a high clip. Now, you know, the Ravens just got rid of Le'Veon Bell. He was averaging 2.7 yards per carry. Latavius Murray, who might come back for this one, averaging 3.6. The run offense has been Lamar Jackson, and he he needs help in the run game. And, you know, it's something I don't, I'd never expect that I'd be saying because of players like Dobbins and Edwards, but when they're not there – you know, you really appreciate what they can do for your football team. So I think at Baltimore, if they can get out to an early 10-0 or 13-3 lead, kind of play with that, they can have their run game feed off of their pass game, their pass game feed off of their run game. I think it'll be really important for them to do that, and that gives them confidence. So then later in the game, you're not trying to force things or you become one-dimensional on offense, and all of a sudden you're kind of forcing yourself to do things that maybe you didn't want to do in the first place. But, Lauren, there are a couple ways that I know the Ravens could lose this game, and I wanted to ask you about ways the Bears could potentially squander this one away if they don't do something well or they don't do something right. So what are those things where you're looking at and saying, well, if Chicago doesn't do this, they're probably going to lose the game? Well, I'm I'm nervous about how they'll respond to the blitz-heavy defense of the Ravens. You know, so much of what the Bears want to be able to do is run the ball and then get deep shots offensively. On top of that, they want play action and firing the ball vertically downfield. And generally speaking, if you know if the defense is going to blitz seven or eight guys. When you, when you do play action, your quarterback is going to hold on to the ball longer, right? And it's going to give that blitz more time to get home. And the Bears' center has not been phenomenal always at calling out the right protections and, and picking up blitzes in that way. And so if the Ravens can, A, bring Justin Fields down and force him to try and get rid of the ball quicker, he is not a 
you know, a quick release timing offense type guy. Matt Nagy was trying to make him be some kind of West Coast quarterback early on, and that was why things failed so poorly against Cleveland. And I'm I'm worried that the Ravens blitz can kind of replicate some of what the Browns were able to do with not the same talent as Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on both sides, but at least that that level of pass rush breaking through at that same rate that the Browns were experiencing in that game. And so I'm worried that the Bears won't be able to adjust properly to this blitz and that they won't have an answer for getting the ball out of Justin Fields' hands. And maybe he'll have to just check it down to tight ends and receivers underneath. But I don't know that the Bears can consist. I don't think they have enough talent at the playmaking positions to consistently move the ball enough on checkdowns versus the blitz to drive the length of the field and score enough points to outscore the Ravens offense that I think is going to have some opportunities against the Bears defense that is struggling. I, I'm not necessarily sure that the Bears defensive coordinator is going to want to commit all the way to the Dolphins game plan of blitz, 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 because that's not really what he does. You know, he's And so do you completely throw out what your defense does well to to match up with what another team's defense did well against this defense or against this offense? I, I'm I'm nervous for how that matchup is going to go because I think it plays a little bit better into what the Ravens want to do as opposed to what the Bears might normally want to do in their offense and their defense. But how, how do you sort of see it for the Ravens? Yeah, I think there are a couple areas, especially on, on defense, where the Ravens could potentially lose this one. I know everybody's talking about the offense and how they have to respond, but defense, I think, has to continue to build off of that game they had in Miami. For the most part, played well didn't allow an offensive touchdown until just over two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And, you know, usually that's enough to win a football game. And you don't usually say the offense and Lamar Jackson era for Baltimore is the reason the Ravens lose a game, but that's exactly what happened. So on the defensive side of the ball, I just, the Ravens can't give up big plays. The big plays were the reason why this defense didn't have a spotless performance against Miami. You know, those communication breakdowns really did loom large at the end of the day. They gave up big plays in big situations. It wasn't just like a random play in the second quarter. It was right before halftime and right at the end of the game. And the Dolphins got points on both of those drives. Also tackling, the Ravens have been a better tackling team over the past couple of weeks but they were not good whatsoever over the first six, seven weeks right before their bye. I thought coming out, they've looked like a more confident tackling team, but if they suddenly regress, and I'm not saying they will, or I think they will, but I think that they have to continue that consistency and make sure that they can continue to tackle at a very high level. But Lauren, I do want to get into final score predictions here with you before we are done with our crossover. How do you see this one playing out for both teams? Yeah, I, I definitely think the Ravens are going to win. But, you know, when you see the, the spread down to four and a half, right? I mean, I don't know that odds makers are predicting a, a huge Ravens blowout by any means, especially after they struggle a little bit against the Dolphins. So, I, you know, I find myself in this, like, 23-17 type range. You know, the Ravens have got a few touchdowns and maybe a couple field goals in there. The Bears will find the end zone once or twice and get a couple field goals in there, but not, certainly not to the extent that the Ravens do. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was more like, you know, 31-20 or if the Ravens were able to pull out, had even a little bit more at the end. But it's going it, to, just, I just don't have a lot of faith in the Bears being able to properly adjust for the Ravens game plan defensively or really for the Bears defense to respond the right way to Lamar Jackson, especially with the rate the Bears have missed important tackles this season against a quarterback like Lamar. I just, I don't see it quite playing all that well for Chicago. I'm guessing you've got a, a similar place you're coming from for, for Baltimore. Yeah, I'm, I'm right in that range. I have 27-17, but, you know, I can see a scenario where Baltimore is just really mad after that game against Miami. They want to make a statement. They come out with high energy, you know, that they're not flat and they, put together a 34 to 10 performance or something on the other side of that. I could see potentially if Chicago's amped up for this one coming out of their buy, 
and the Ravens are still kind of down on themselves, which usually doesn't happen. The Ravens are a team that moves on pretty quickly and just goes to the next week. But if that does happen, maybe it's a bit closer than some people anticipate, or the Ravens even surprisingly drop this game. But I'm going to go 27-17. I think it's a game where it's a little more evenly matched than people do think, but at the end of the day, Baltimore gets the win. And for Baltimore, <laughs> that's all that matters for them. But Lauren, that's all that I have for you here today on this crossover. I appreciate you taking the time to talk Ravens and Bears with me, and I'm looking forward to a good game on Sunday. Hey, appreciate it from you as well, sir. It should be fun, although I just the, the trends of how the Bears play after the bye week are not encouraging for me in this one. So I'm just I'm hoping for something something close and entertaining. And anytime anytime you get two quarterbacks with some dynamic playmaking like this on both sides, it is gonna be a fun game. It's been a fun crossover and I appreciate you joining us for it. Yeah. When we get back here tomorrow on our respective shows, we're going to be diving into everything relating to the Ravens and the Bears. So be sure to stay tuned for your respective shows and we will see you tomorrow.